Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Okay, nobody really responded, I don't, I don't think. Um, I heard a mumbling, perhaps, to that greeting. Um, good, good Saturday evening. How about that? Evening. Yeah, good Saturday evening. Do I need red light or green lights or yellow light? What do you need? We're good? We're good. I'm going to put it in my pocket and uh, invite you to open uh, God's Word with me. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. If you were unable to join us last evening, or if you've forgotten everything about last evening, allow me just to remind you of where we are and where we are hoping to head this evening and tomorrow as well. We established that last night this encouragement that life is hard and it might not get easier. Life is hard and it might not get easier. We talked last night about the reality of our experience, uh, our experiences these last months, and I mentioned intentionally several times, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year. And so our theme for the weekend is to, to think about how do we biblically deal with difficult days? How do we biblically deal with difficult days? You were given a, a four by sheet, uh, four by six handout or card. If there are any in the back, we might have uh, some that remain. We would love for everyone to have a four by six card. And here's the, uh, feel free to raise your hand if you didn't get one or if you forgot one, but here's the assignment. We're not going to collect these. We're not going to grade these. These are really just for your benefit. So if you want to do this, fantastic. If you don't, that's fine as well. But the goal is this, really, for you to record on this card your go-to passages. What passages of God's Word would you turn to to help you deal biblically with difficult days? I'm sharing with you tonight three of my favorite go-to passages for difficult days. I shared a couple of those last night with you. We began, if you remember, if you recall, we looked at a verse in Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, where Jeremiah says this. In the midst of difficult days, he says this. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. He really was demonstrating for us, a concept known as theology proper. Thinking about who God is, what he is like, what he has said, what he has promised. Remember, Jeremiah could remember and recall in his calling that God is a God of purpose. God is a God of plan and God is a God of promise. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 21 is where Jeremiah made that declaration. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Therefore I have hope. And so our exercise is to ask and answer the question, what do you recall to mind? What do you recall to mind? And as a result, you therefore have hope. One of the things that greatly encouraged my dad in his dying days, the last few months of his life... And really, all throughout his life was music. 
Music encouraged uh, my dad greatly and encourages us greatly. It's something that we have even considered together where we think about who God is and what he is like and what he has promised and we sing it. And it's part of our praise and it's part of our adoration. That's the same sort of exercise, theology proper. This I recall to my mind. I pray it. I sing it. I remember it. I cling to it. And as a result, I have hope. We looked at James chapter 1 last night briefly just to help us again with the right approach. We literally and biblically are supposed to count it all joy when we fall into any and every type of difficulty or trial or circumstances that test our faith. And when we fall into those, we have to be prepared, pre-planned and pre-programmed our response so we would be able to say, I really do count this all joy because I know that you are at work in growing me. So I'll hang in there, I'll endure, I'll persevere. And I, when I don't understand in the midst of this process, when I don't get it, when I'm trying to count it all joy, I'm going to ask for your help. I'm going to ask for specifically what? Wisdom. And I'm going to ask in complete unwavering like the sea, the surf of the sea faith. I'm going to ask you with no doubting for you to help me. For you to give me wisdom because I don't get it. I get you and I trust you, but I don't get all the details of this circumstance and trial. So please help me. And he promises to give wisdom in what way? Generously, liberally, not holding anything back, pouring out on us wisdom. But what did we, uh, what was the warning in regards to being double minded or uh, like the surf of the sea? What should we expect then? Nothing. Nothing, James tells us. So we're really being reminded that in the midst of difficult days, our faith, our belief, our trust in God needs to be unwavering, knowing that there's a process here that we can trust and he promises to help us. This passage that I brought to your attention uh, just by way of introduction is is a passage that many find to be a, a tongue twister. When you read it, it it's, it's sometimes even hard to read just because of the way it flows. But there's a word in this particular section that is a word that we should celebrate year round. Not just at Christmas time singing about comfort and joy, but the year round that we can count on comfort. And comfort is for our sake and for the sake of others as well. Someone has said it this way in light of this passage that God never wastes a hurt. God never wastes a difficulty or a challenge, a trial or a heartache. They're all with meaning and intention and purpose. And we'll see some of those tonight. Let's ask God to help us again as we are purposing to do what he tells us to do together. This we recall to mind. Therefore, we have hope. 
You might not write on your four by six cards the verses that I'm giving you or the passages I'm giving you or the hymns that I might reference or that you might recall to mind or that we might sing. It's an individual exercise. Do you get that? I really want you to work at it and write on that four by six card what it is that you recall to mind. And as a result, you have hope about the character, about the attributes, about the person of our great God, theology proper. And as a result, we can have hope. We can have comfort. We can have joy. Those are really Christmas words, aren't they? And words that we can experience the year round. So let's ask him to help us. Father, we need to be able to remember, to recall, to bring to mind, to recollect the truth that we know about you from your special revelation of yourself to us, your word. We need to do that all the time. But we especially need to do that in the midst of heartache, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial. Father, I want to pray in a, in a very specific and special way for the local body of believers here at Northern Hills. The list is long right now of the heartache and of the difficulty and of the struggle and of the loss and of the pain, and that's not unique to Northern Hills. Life is hard, and it just might not get easier, and so may we really think about how we biblically should respond to difficult days. We surely would ask and pray. Father, take away distractions, even the lovely smells that are before us, Father, teach us whatever it is you want us to be reminded of or learn tonight. And we just ask for your help. In unwavering faith, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This section is a bit of a, of a testimony of Paul. A testimony of Paul as he writes to the believers, the church at Corinth. And he wants to remind them of the legitimacy of his difficulties the struggles that he indeed was facing, but also what was guaranteed and is guaranteed that he can, uh, he expected and was experiencing and that we can expect and experience as well in the midst of difficulty. Introduction in verses one and two, without much comment, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, very common uh, way of Paul to greet those that he's writing to identifying his authority and, and recognizing that what he is doing is because it's what God wanted him to do. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are throughout Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in verse 2, we begin to see what is sourced in our great God. Grace ultimately comes from him, unmerited, undeserved favor. Peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this, in, a, in a, an expression of praise and adoration, he begins this great section. By the way, would this section make it on any of your four by six cards? This is a great section. 
a great section of comfort. It indeed is the key word here of this section. And he begins by praising God. It's an expression of worship and adoration. And he says it this way in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to the, the description of the person of our great God. Praise be to God. Bless God. God be adored because of who he is and what he provides. Listen to the twofold description. The father of mercies and God of all comfort. Don't you love that? The father of mercies and the God of all comfort. This year, uh, in December, my family went through uh, the book of Luke. We read a chapter of day uh, corresponding to eight each day, finished on what day? Christmas Eve, exactly. 24 chapters in the book of Luke. And I was impressed by a concept that was seen all throughout, especially in the early chapters describing the reality of the incarnation and this word mercy. This word mercy, this word mercy uh, was mentioned over and over. Tender mercy was one of the expressions in Luke. This idea of mercy. I read in John chapter 1 during the Christmas season, the, that important passage for our consideration, the incarnation. In around verse 14, 15, it talks about grace upon grace. That was being brought to us. Grace is mentioned in this section in verse, uh, in verse 2. Grace and peace that come from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the end of verse 3, we're reminded of the fact that not only does God give mercy. He is the source of mercy. Both of those renderings are appropriate. Not only does he distribute it, and he is a merciful God, he is the source of it, the source of mercy, and he conducts himself and is that way to us, merciful, and offers this idea of comfort. Comfort is a significant word here, and it's appropriate for us to think about what it means. It's a word that, that involves coming alongside another person and bringing help and encouragement their way. Some of you I know love to, love to uh, study the original language. You know it far better than I do. I know that reality be, to be true. Does anybody know the, the, the original word for this word comfort here? It's the same word that describes the Lord Jesus Christ as our advocate, our go-between. It's the same root word that is used also of the Holy Spirit, paraclesis or, or paraclete. It's a great word, and I'm not saying that to say, look at me, I can reference the original language. That drives me crazy when that takes place. But I'm trying to say this to you, this word comfort is a word that involves, uh, that conveys the involvement of the Almighty in our lives individually. Do you understand that? He is the, 
He is the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The Holy Spirit, just for a moment. This is talking about God here, but just for a moment, the same concept and the same word is used to describe the Holy Spirit. The last year or so of dad's life, he would say to me, and maybe it was the last several years, but we would share this expression when we were involved in ministry together. He would say to me, and I would say to him, the helper will help. Don't you love that? The helper will will help. And so if dad wasn't feeling well and he was trying to teach or preach or be involved in ministry, which is how he rolled until the very end, I would say to him, listen, the helper would help. As I was on the road and and ministering in a variety of capacities, he he would call and he would say, listen, the helper will help. The Holy Spirit is described as our helper. The Lord Jesus is described as our helper. The paraclete, our go-between, our advocate, the one who comes alongside us to comfort us and to encourage us. It's unbelievable that we have help here and we have help there. Isn't that great to think about? Doubly blessed. The Holy Spirit lives within as our helper And the Lord Jesus is where? At the right hand of the Father as our what? Advocate doing what? Interceding and helping us. And you know what it says about God in this section? You should know it because we just read it. He is the God of all paraclesis, of all comfort. He wants to come alongside us and he wants to encourage us and help us and assist us. That's the word comfort. We needed to pause just for a moment and think about how crucial that word is. And he is the father of mercies. That is who he is as a person. And that is how he functions. He is the father of mercies in his essence in being. And that's what he extends to us. Grace upon grace and tender mercies. Isn't that great to think about in regards to the Almighty? So in the midst of it, in the midst of the difficulty, we have supernatural divine help from the Trinity. Our paraclete, our source of encouragement, comfort, and help. And so he says it this way who comforts us in all our affliction. Every bit of it. Isn't that a relief? There is not an affliction. There is not a difficulty. There is not a circumstance that is hard. That, by the way, is the testing of our faith to evidence that we will respond the way he wants us to in the midst of a difficulty There's not a difficulty. There's not a heartache. There's not a trial where he does not provide us what we need in it. Some of you know that. I think most of you know that. Have you been in a situation where logically, mathematically, uh, practically, it doesn't make sense to be comforted? It doesn't make sense to be able to say, you know what? 
I have, not just at Christmas time, but all the year round, I have comfort and joy. Tonight we'll talk about another Christmas word. Uh, peace. Perfect peace. You see, that's what we can count on in the midst of it all. He promises it. Who, and Paul is testifying here to the church at Corinth, and he's saying this for his sake and for their sake. He wants them to know he's experienced it, and he wants them to know they can count on it and experience it too, this comfort. Count the number of times, if you're bored already, or if you're just hungry, count the number of times comfort is mentioned in this section. Who comforts us in all our affliction. There's not an affliction that we will not have help from our paraclete. The triune paraclete. The Lord Jesus is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our helper. God the Father is described this way as well. The God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction for a reason. Not only for our sake and for our benefit. The word so conveys that. There's a reason why he's providing the comfort. We need it, don't we? Can you imagine? I know we've thought about these things of late, all of us, in some way, shape, or form. Can you imagine trying to deal without the help of the Almighty? Without his person and his presence and his power? He provides us all comfort. All of us comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. But here's one of the reasons. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Try to say that one three times fast. Have you ever been there? When you're saying this verse and you just get it confused in your mind? So help me understand it. Don't put it necessarily in your own words and make it say something it doesn't say, but help us understand what this is talking about in regards to this comfort that comes from the God of all comfort that comforts us in all these circumstances. But there's another reason for it. And that is to benefit somebody else. There's a reason God never wastes a hurt. And so in the midst of him providing us comfort, which he promises to do, enough comfort for the circumstance that we are dealing with, so we are never without comfort, but so that we might also provide comfort for others who go through similar circumstances. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had somebody say to you this? I know exactly what you're going through. And your mindset is, you have no idea what I'm going through. Because you know the person who's saying it. And so they say it, and it seems as if it's hollow or empty because they're saying it, and they really don't have a lot of experience and haven't received comfort in the same area that you need comfort. But then you have somebody come alongside and say, I know exactly what you're going through. And it rings true because you know they did and you know they have and you know their experience, they received comfort and now they're able to provide you comfort, the comfort you need because they were comforted in those circumstances by the God of all comforts. 
Isn't that amazing to think about? There's been several seasons in my life. And I really, just to be honest with you, I hope it never happens again, but it could. It's just kind of how I'm wired and, and made these days. But several seasons in my life where I went through some struggles with uh, anxiety and panic. Panic attacks and anxiety. And years ago, I went through a, a tough season. And then when dad died, I revisited that reality and went through a tough season with, with panic and anxiety. And people came out of the woodwork that I never would have thought of that went through the same thing, that had panic attacks, that could say, I know, it's unbelievable how you feel, isn't it? And nobody else really gets it unless they've been through it as well. And so they brought me comfort because they had been through the, com- uh, the same circumstance where they had received comfort from guess who? The God of all comforts, but also from others who had received from the same source, the God of all comforts, comfort, and so they help in the comforting. Isn't that crazy? And I'm not saying to you, and so don't, don't misunderstand, I'm not saying to you that unless you've been through it, you can't really comfort someone. I'm not saying that, because that's not the case, and we all know that to be true. But isn't it wonderful, and we'll think about this more tonight, that we have, we have a, a Savior who has been through it all and who can say, I absolutely know what you're going through. Not only do I know what you're going through, I can actually do something about it. We have a Savior who says that, And we have a heavenly father who happens to be the one who provides all the comfort because that's part of who he is in his being. Don't you love that? The God of all mercies and the father, the father of mercies, excuse me, and God of all comfort. Verse five. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. Isn't that encouraging? (laughs) Did you hear that? Here Paul is writing and he's writing to save people. And he's saying, guess what is a reality for us? We suffer. We live in a land that loves to communicate a different kind of lifestyle and prosperity. But when you look at the text, it really doesn't support that for a believer. It does support purpose and joy, and meeting, and a blessed and abundant life now, and the best yet to come, glory, but doesn't promise easy, does it? It promises just the opposite. And here Paul writes and says, for just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, and that that means, indeed, that as we have trusted in Christ as our personal Savior, We've accepted him by saving faith. We now purpose as an expression of gratitude to live our lives for him, to please him in all respects. That suffering comes with the desire and commitment to be Christ-like. And so we will suffer as we are purposing to be Christ-like in our attitude, in our action, in our conduct, and in our behavior. And he says that to be the case. And he says we've got that in in abundance. Life is hard, and it might not get easier. 
For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, guess what also is ours, he says? Comfort. That's why we can deal with difficult days differently. And people can see us dealing with difficult days differently, and they can say, what is going on? How can you act that way? How, you, how can you respond that way? How can you say that you have perfect peace in the midst of a circumstance, circumstance that is not perfectly peaceful? Because as much as we suffer for Christ's sake, we receive the same amount of comfort at the same time. That excites me, folks. I don't know what you're thinking at about 20 minutes of the hour or six, but that's encouraging stuff to me. Listen to what it says. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. Here's a word of encouragement to the church at Corinth and to believers as well. Paul makes a statement about their sanctification about the reality of the church at Corinth that needed a little attention. And so he positively starts off this section. Hammer time's coming, but he positively starts out this section by expressing gratitude for who God is and what he provides. He's very strategic in doing so, by the way. And what he says next is, the, is also the case. He's doing this on purpose. And he says to these the believers in verse 6, but if we are afflicted, and that's not a question of whether or not we will be. It's a statement about the reality of the fact that we will be. Since we are afflicted, since we go through, and these afflictions, again, much like James that we saw last night in chapter 1, very, very, we're, count, we're to count it all joy regardless of the severity or lack thereof of a trial or an affliction, but we're guaranteed to have them. They vary, and we're supposed to respond the same way in all of them. That takes Lamentations 3.21. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. It takes this passage. I have a helper in the Holy Spirit who indwells me. I have a helper in my advocate, the Lord Jesus. My heavenly Father is a helper. It's amazing. It's amazing. Mercy and comfort. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Isn't that interesting? We're going through this, and we're going through it for the sake of not just ourselves, but also for you in your growth and perfection. James used the word perfection, and we we acknowledge we're not going to be perfect this side of glory, so it's the spiritual maturity idea, and that we see here as well. It is for your comfort and your salvation. Or if, or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. What is he saying practically? Paul's saying, listen, we suffer and we suffer and it's part of the sanctification process and so do you. 
We are comforted and we are comforted and it's part of the sanctification process for us and for you. So don't quit. Don't lose heart. Don't give in and don't buy into the reaction the world suggests you should have in dealing with difficult days. It's part of the process. And here's the hope. Look at what he says in verse 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that as you are sharers of our sufferings, life is hard and it might not get easier for us and for you, Paul says. And so you get to join in and share with our sufferings. It's the privilege for those who claim the name of Christ. We get to suffer for Christ's sake. But we also receive encouragement, coming alongside, assisting, and helping, knowing that as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. You know what is true for the church? We are supposed to do life together. Has that been of help to any of you all during difficult days? The reality of the body of Christ that as we go through difficulty, as we suffer, as we're afflicted, we suffer together. And as we suffer together, we also receive comfort together. And what ultimately results then, my friends? It's how we started this section. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God be adored. God be praised for who he is and for what he's like theology proper this i recall to mind therefore i have hope it's interesting how he he wraps up this section i said he wraps up i wasn't saying i wrap in i'm wrapping up did you notice sean said around uh, or uh, approximately uh six and seven thereabouts listen i appreciate a good meal there's there's Spiritual feeding and physical feeding. And I'm, I'm, I'm supportive of both concepts. You know that to be true. Fret not. Here's what he says in the end section. Brings it home personally. And he closes with a concept that I know has been part of your heartbeat for the last several months together. Listen to how he says it. For we do not want you to be unaware. He really wants them to understand, and they have a clue, but he wants to validate it and confirm that they have been going through the hurt box. It has been rough for Paul, for Timothy, and those serving alongside. And he says, I want you to understand how bad it's been. And I want you to understand how desperately we have needed divine help and your help. Listen to what he says. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. You know what he doesn't share with us in this section? The affliction. There's speculation. You might think, I know exactly what it is. And I'm going to encourage you in this way. No, you don't. (laughs) None of us do. We can guess, and it could have been bullying that was occurring it could have been physical persecution it could have been the thorn in the flesh it could have been 
any number of things that we have Paul allude to in his other writings. It seems as if the church at Corinth had a clue because he doesn't say a whole lot about it. And so if you're really troubled by that, my encouragement is simply to get over it because we're not going to know. We're not going to know. But what we do know is that it was crazy difficult. That might be one of the reasons why we don't know what it is. Because he wanted us to realize that whatever it is he was going through and they were going through was really incredibly difficult. So he's not just throwing out theory here. Obviously, he's being led by the Holy Spirit as the text is recorded in the fashion we find it uh, before us today. But he's saying, listen, I'm not just telling you that this is who God is and what he brings. I've been through it and we've been in it. And guess what God is? Guess what he is? He is a deliverer. He delivers us. He's done it in the past. He's doing it right now. And he's going to do it in the future, he says. These are sweet verses. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. Okay, you got the location anyway. That we were burdened excessively. Would Would you say you've been through such a thing? That you've been through, and I think some of you have, truthfully. And I think some of us will if we haven't. That we've been burdened excessively. To what extent? That we were burdened excessively beyond our strength. So that we, listen to how bad it was for them. So that we despaired for our life. Whatever it is they went through in Asia, it was so bad that they didn't know if they'd live. That's pretty bad, right? And so he closes this section by bringing specific personal testimony to the reality of how life can be incredibly difficult, but how great the comfort we receive from the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Verse 9, indeed... We had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Isn't that a powerful statement? Here's how it looked, friends. This is what we expected and anticipated, and the reality is, in and of ourselves, we could not do a thing about it. And so we had to yield, and we had to acknowledge that We do not have the strength. And in and of ourselves, we cannot pull this off. It's an incredible statement of testimony. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves. In order that we should not trust in ourselves indicates that the experience they had was intentional. That God was at work, does not waste a hurt. They thought they were at the point of death. And we were learning a valuable lesson not to trust in ourselves, but rather trusting in the one who raises the dead. And he says this about his resurrection power in verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a peril of death. He did that. 
We made it through. He delivered us from so great a peril of death. And guess what he will continue to do? He will deliver us until what? The, the ultimate deliverance. That threefold deliverance is in mind. He's delivered us in the past, and I gave you a specific example of that. This is who he is. We trust in him. He will continue to deliver us. And, we, and if we have died with him, we will also what? Live with him. Reign with him is true as well. And so he says, here's who we're dealing with here. The deliverer who has delivered us, who is delivering us, and will continue to deliver us. Until that ultimate deliverance. But you want to know what? Life is hard, and it might not get easier. And so what, what needs to happen? We need to do like Jeremiah did. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. But we also need to do like the church did in the end of this section. You know what Paul supports here? Prayer is right, but what kind of prayer? Intercession, intercessory prayer. That people... We're praying on behalf of other people. Anybody know what that's like of late? With permission, I received email updates regarding circumstances here. You think people here know what it's like to have you praying for them in their time of affliction? Listen to how Paul describes it. Verse 10 again, who delivered us from so great a peril of death and will deliver us on whom we have set our hope. There's that word again. And he will yet deliver us. But you're involved here too, friends. Listen to what he says in verse 11. You also joining in helping us through your prayers. What was the, the, one of the key understandings of the word comfort here that's mentioned so many times? It twists our tongue. The word help. We have divine help. And guess what we get to be as well? Part of the help. Isn't that crazy? And ultimately, ultimately his using us to be of help is, is his helping anyway but he uses us to do that. We're part of it. You also joining and helping us through what? Through your prayers. That thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many. This idea of many persons uh, uh, is the rendering of, of many faces. Isn't that wild to think about? Many faces looking up and realizing, look at what God has done. Isn't that a wonderful concept to consider? You also joining and helping us through your prayers, that thanks may be given by many faces, by many people, on our behalf for the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many. Here's a bunch of people praying in regards to and on, the Bennett, on behalf of some folks specifically. And the ultimate result is 
God has provided favor. He's merciful. He's the God of all comfort. And he gets the praise. And people get to watch and see, look at what God has done. Isn't that wild? We have just a few more moments together. And I want to encourage you in this way. 11 verses, really, 3 through 11. What stands out to you this session? What concept, what thought, what phrase is of encouragement will be your takeaway from this evening? And if you don't want to share, fine. Not making you do so. But if you'd like to, feel free to, to say, this really is remarkable. You don't have to use that language, nor say it that way. Fret not. But what encourages you in and, and through this text tonight? Yeah, I love that. There will not be a circumstance that we will not receive comfort and more than sufficient comfort. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that tonight, Lord willing. Savior who's been through it all and can say, I know and I can do something about it. I love that. Yeah. And so folks go through circumstances, and that is intentional. So they not only experience comfort in the circumstance, but they can, at some point in time, share that same comfort to comfort someone else that ultimately comes from the God of all comforts. That well stated. Suffering is not purposeless. There, there's a reason for it. Yeah, we're not meant to do this alone. Love the picture of, of verse 11, intercessory, intercessory prayer. They do. You wouldn't need comfort if you didn't have affliction. Yeah. It's a, it's a very personal, interactive, experiential word, this word comfort. So not, let's not make too little of the word. Any other takes or uh, encouragements? It makes sense, doesn't it, that Paul says, God be adored. God be adored. He was going through something, I think, a little more difficult than most of us will go through. And he says, may God be blessed. Let's not forget who he is. And it's part of the whole process. And we need to trust the process. Father, we thank you for uh, spiritual food that we can dine on together, and we thank you for physical food that we can dine on together as well. For the hands that have prepared tonight's meal and for the meal itself, we give you thanks, a chance to enjoy what we have in common in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the reminder, specifically in this text, that you are the source of mercy. It's where it's found, and it's how you act toward us. We thank you that you are the God of all comfort and that we receive comfort and we can provide comfort and that you, the Trinity, help us and you use us to help others. May you be adored. May you be blessed. May you be praised. We thank you that you do not waste a hurt. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.